What's up, podcast family? Welcome back. How are you guys? It's Thanksgiving Eve over here, and I'm really, I'm actually mixed emotions for this weekend. On one hand, I'm super excited. It's actually just the four of us. It's just Gary, myself, and our kids. So it's going to be pretty quiet. I think it's going to be fun. We're gonna, we have some mellow things planned. You know, but on the other hand, it's actually the first time ever, I think, that it's ever just been the four of us. So we usually have either a house full of guests or we travel to see family. So it feels a little odd, but I think that's just comes and goes with the holiday season. I think it's just kind of an odd time at times. Enough about me. Let's talk about you. How are you doing? Are you hanging okay with the holidays? I know how tough in general the holidays can be even under the best of circumstances and you guys I'm super excited about the next several weeks on the podcast I have scheduled some amazing conversations with some incredible people that I cannot wait to share with you more about that soon but today and tomorrow you guys we have a two-part conversation with my therapist Jim Beebe it was actually one long conversation that we decided to cut in two just to kind of spread them out a little bit and to make them a little bit a little bit more digestible for us, if you will. If you're new around here, I will read Jim's bio in a moment. But if you've been around here any time at all, you know about once a month or so I have Jim on and we talk about all things mental health. He's an absolute gift in my life and I love sharing him with you. In the show notes, I will link to an article that Jim had written a while back on acceptance. You guys, today's (laughs) epitode, today's epitode, no, wow, it's a long day. I'm ready for some pumpkin pie. Let's go. Okay. So you guys, in today's episode, we talk briefly about the loneliness some of us feel around the holidays, even when we aren't alone and how that actually makes it worse. (laughs) And he shared about an amazing book that he's reading. You guys, one of the best things that Jim says in this episode that still has me just my head just swimming, but he said, joy takes trust. It just so resonates with me because he was talking about how it takes trust for us to actually feel the emotion joy and hold on to it. So if you've ever been hurt or you've had a lot of pain in your life, sometimes joy, feeling too much joy can be scary. We talk about that briefly. And tomorrow's episode, I have to tell you, is actually my favorite. It's jam-packed with amazing content. It's a little bit longer than today's, but you won't want to miss tomorrow's episode. So if you only have time to listen to one of these in the next two days, I'm going to say listen to tomorrow's episode. It's especially handy if you're heading into someone's house for dinner and you have complicated relationships with anyone there or maybe family of origin issues, that sort of thing. We get deep about spiritual things and we really talk about our spiritual longings and we even talk about like spiritual loneliness. Uh, it's really a profound conversation and I listened to it a little while ago and I it just really blessed me even again listening to it. Jim just has such wisdom and he's so humble and he's so honest and I just absolutely love that. As always, I hope these episodes bless and help you on your journey. You are not alone, my friend. And if you need prayer, please email us at hello at dannysumner.com. It's D-A-N-I-S-U-M as in Mary, N as in Nancy, E-R.com. Again, the link will be in the show notes, but feel free to reach out for any prayer. Also, I wanted to let you know, if you've been on the fence and you haven't jumped into the Spiritual Intentions Framework yet, 
This week, we took $100 off the cost, and it's called the Holiday Special. You guys, I honestly would give this all away, but my team would kill me, mostly my coach and my podcast assistant. They just won't let me. But you guys, if you are wondering how to thrive during the holidays especially, I promise you the Spiritual Intentions Framework, it will help. It's not a Bible study. It's actually a practice, a hands-on approach to help you in your spiritual walk. We talk about different spiritual disciplines and practices that help us so much. I use these practices every single day, and we talk about boundaries and self-care, how to build powerful community and how to do life together. We talk about how to find your purpose on this planet and so much more. It's 12 modules. You can go at your own pace. And this week, I also decided to do a Zoom call for everyone in the Spiritual Intentions Framework. We're actually going to do that call next week, actually on December 7th. And so if you jump in this week, you can st- it's still time. You can jump in on that live Zoom call. We're going to keep them kind of small. I'm going to keep them of 10 people or less uh, so we can interact. We can actually interact. You don't have to do the Zoom call, but it's just like a little added bonus. And I just really want to interact with you guys. I thought that would be fun. And don't worry if you're already in the Spiritual Intentions Framework, we will send you your Zoom link for that call next week. You guys, I cannot wait to connect with you. If you do want to jump into the Spiritual Intentions Framework and use that $100 off coupon, the link will be in the show notes and in the coupon, you type in holiday. Again, the link will be in the show notes and email us if you have any questions. I was in a really bad place emotionally and just struggling with depression and I had connected with Jim a bunch through that season. And I remember one of my friends was checking in with me and I was telling her about different revelations I had had. And she's like, you get these revelations when you work out. Why don't you just work out more? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I haven't worked out in six months. She's like, well, you're always going to the gym. And I'm like, no, Jim's my therapist. <laughs> and I just laughed because, I you know, like I, yeah, like I know it's hilarious. So thanks, Jim. You're my, like you're my gym membership. <laughs> well, I go to, keep taking your walks. Too, I know, okay? I know. I'm just kidding. I know. All right, my friends, let me tell you a little bit more about our guest. So our guest is Jim Beebe. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he's been a therapist for 40 years. Jim, he really has a pastor's, like a shepherd's heart. He received his bachelor's from San Jose Bible College and his master's degree from Fuller Theological Seminary in marriage and family counseling. Jim is the founder and the director of Abundant Life Counseling. And he really has a heart for integrating God's word and seeking wholeness spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. Jim has a beautiful family with two grown children and a wonderful wife, and they've been married for 35 years, which is absolutely amazing. And they actually teach a marriage class together right outside of Los Angeles in Northridge and in Santa Clarita. If you want more information about the marriage class or to get in touch with Jim, I will have his info in the show notes. Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast. All right, my friends, we all know life can be so difficult and painful at times, especially when we're carrying grief or loss or wrestling with shame about our past, anxiety about our future, or frankly, like we are just not enough. But there has to be so much more for us. There is hope and joy, peace, love, fun, purpose, and a reason that you, my friend, are on this planet. Let's partner with God so you can be who he created you to be as you wrestle through and trudge through your mess. Hi, I'm Danny, a recovering alcoholic, a mom, a wife, a mentor, and dust. We are only here for a moment. Let's live like it. I'm just like you. I'm a holy mess most days. 
actually every day. Let's have some fun and laugh while trudging through our mess. This stuff doesn't need to be dry and boring. Let's dig in. Hi, Jim. Hi, Danny. Jim, I'm so excited. Okay, holidays are here. We're heading into the very crazy holiday season. I thought it'd be really cool to talk about expectations during the holidays, especially when we're struggling emotionally. Give it to us, Jim. Impart your wisdom. (laughs) About how to handle holidays that can sometimes not live up to expectations, huh? Yeah. I mean, I think that Hallmark Channel tells us it's supposed to be the most beautiful time of the year. There's a lot of expectations put on us with holiday parties, kids things, church things, all of these things. And how do we still stay present in the moment? I don't know about you, but for me, and I know, I think a lot of people, we have this picturesque view of what the holidays are supposed to be like. And for me, I feel like even under the best of circumstances, they never live up. How would I intro this, Jim? What should I ask you? No, that's good. That's good. No, that's fine. Yeah. But how do we then live And family, you know, gets impressed with family issues and that can be more disruptive and frustrating, right? Things that we can sort of keep at a distance now where we got to get together for meals and stuff like that. That can be hard. So all that stuff. Okay. Let me just start it and we'll, we'll talk around a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I'll do your intro and then I'll, I think talking about expectations and acceptance, like we could never talk about this stuff enough. Okay. And you have such an eloquent way of how you explain acceptance, how it's it's not rolling, like be a doormat. So if you can explain in your own way too, how do you live peacefully within it? Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. So hi, everybody. It's good to be back with all of you and Danny with you as we deal with life and uh, try to find our way. So I want to just start with a a book that I have just started reading, and I'm going to use this as the launching of talking about how this intersects with holidays. But there's a book out by uh, Susan Cain. Susan Cain's an author who wrote a book called Quiet, and it was a book about introversion, which is really a good book also. But this book that I just got from her is called Bittersweet. And the subtitle of the book is How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole. And what I've read so far, the book is wonderful. And I know a little bit of what she's talking about in the book is that there is this combination of sorrow in us of the losses and the the places of wounds. And there's this longing in us for something more. Longing in us because of the sorrow and the missing places. There's a longing in us of this missing piece inside of us. And she, in the book, really starts to talking about how embracing the sorrow and longing together without having to get rid of it. Mm. With sort of knowing in a way that is sort of part of our humanness, that that longing is just part of being human. And so making sort of making peace with that incompleteness to some degree, that we all live together apart, together and together apart in some ways. So that book, I I think I'm going to keep reading it, but I think that is just really, I love the title at least. That it said, okay, I, I go into these holidays and I have a longing for something. I have a longing for something, some experience of home. Like I wish I could crawl into the Norman Rockwell mm. picture, right? Okay. And crawl into this place where there's a warm fire going and we're eating, you know, we're drinking apple cider and, and there's Christmas music in the background and, you know, all these things that, that often we come up short in our world. And it gets magnified because we have all this social media that just sort of puts in our face, you know, how we're not living the fun, good life, you know, whatever that magical 
mythical place is, you know, we don't have it, but there's a longing in us. And I think when we go into holidays, number one is recognizing that. And then recognizing that I carry with me this longing, I carry with me in this, this mark of my humanness, this sense that at some level there's a part of me, the deepest part of me that, that isn't going to be taken away. And certainly as often the holidays actually just reminds me of how little I have of that, you know, that connection can, can be, you know, sometimes it can be, you know, we have really good boundaries and our families are dysfunctional. So it's, we got to be more careful and there's always some frustration and someone drinks too much and there's some argument and, you know, the TV's up too loud because they're watching football or something, right? All those things could happen and they probably will. Oh, and more, right? Politics and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the- yeah, absolutely. There's landmines nowadays that are out there. All of them. That are so how to navigate. Okay. But I, I think that title is just really wonderful. And Danny, you can put that in the notes of the book. But I think it's just a really idea of like, you know, maybe I'm learning to make peace with my sorrow and with my longing. Mm. And I think for a lot of us, what we have learned to do is to suppress our longing because it's hurtful. And if I let myself feel it, but it's there, nonetheless, it's in there. But we try to disassociate from it and we try to push it down because longing means disappointment, right? Mm. And I'm saying... We're trying to live in reality and with and expect what is, but I'm also trying to honor that longing as part of me. And that's okay. Yeah, that part of me. Yeah. That, that's absolutely, even though none of us will ever have it completely met. I just, I think that's part of being human, part of being separate. Why do you think it's so scary for us to admit or embrace the longing, like, or embrace the sorrow or embrace the suffering? I was meeting with some women this week and she was talking about, some internal suffering she has whenever she's around her family. And she said, they're so kind to her now, but they weren't when she was a child. Like there was a lot of uncomfortable things that happened and a lot of sorrow and a lot of loss and a lot of unfairness. Her parents treated her siblings different than they treated her. And, but now they're kind as can be, but she's still, when she's around them, she's triggered. Right. And it's helped me understand or help me. How do we explain to people embracing that sorrow and that loss. Okay, so I think I know what you're saying. It's like, even though there's better now, the shadow of the past still carries this weight and it sort of robs me of being able to enjoy what's now. Well, totally. And then I feel like in Christian culture, especially, we're like, well, it shouldn't bother me. I I should be over this by now. Or this shouldn't affect me so much. And then we pile on the shame and the self-hatred almost of this shouldn't affect me. I should just love him as Jesus loves him. And I should just forgive and forget and all of this stuff. And it it makes muddy, murky waters for people, especially around the holidays. I think if you suffer a little bit with grief the rest of the year, it's like a giant during the holidays. Yeah. If you suffer with anything you suffer with the rest of the year, we can keep it kind of managed around the holidays. I feel like it just implodes on us at, at different times. Yeah. And some people will say... And maybe you know you could relate to this as sometimes we're scared to let ourselves be okay in the present, right? It's almost like we're either it opens up up to be hurt again, or it's so uncomfortable. I'm so I'm not used to that. <laughs> I'm used to the old demons, yeah. right? And and you'll find yourself in those, those environments where you actually will then, if you listen to yourself, you'll actually hear yourself put stuff out there to sort of recreate that old dance. Mm-hmm. You'll put things out there, you know. Let's say if a critical mother. You'll put something out there waiting for her to criticize it. Say, aha, there it is. There it is, right? And so I, I sort of 
bait them with it because I'm, I'm used to that. I'm not used to feeling okay and everything's okay because joy takes a lot of trust. Joy takes a lot of letting go and taking my guard down. Wow. So I, I need something to validate to keep my guard up, even though I, I rob myself of my joy in that too and my connection in that. Wow. Hang on, Jim. We need to, we need to dive into that. Joy takes a lot of trust. Joy takes letting our guard down that we might feel pain again, but it takes a lot of letting go. We've talked about how sometimes when I'm in a peaceful state, you guys, I will go out and try to like find something. There's something, always something out there that can trigger me and like be dramatic, but I'll be in like a great place and I will call that person that triggers me all the time just to like feel angst again or or a memory just bring a memory up yeah totally and it doesn't feel like i'm making a choice to do it it, it often just feel like it happens but it in a, in a way it takes me back to what's familiar mentally and emotionally and relationally there's a term that we have and it's called homeostasis and what it means is when things are used to being at a certain level it creates a balance at that level even if it's painful but it's a certain balance or certain fit when something then changes it it's like a mobile you have a mobile over a sleeping child, that mobile will sort of find its own balance based on all these pieces to it. And if you, if you hit one piece of that mobile, it'll go yonky and bounce around a little bit, but it, it slowly it'll slow down and it will re-level itself back out at that homeostasis. Well, emotionally, we're, the, we're exactly the same way. We will create in our lives the very thing that feels like it's a certain way that how life is for me or how I feel inside. We'll create, and we'll create circumstances to create the balance of the homeostasis. If it's a victim story, I'll, I'll create the victim story again. I'll recreate it. If it's a depression story, if it's an anxious story, I'll find things to be anxious about, right? So I'll create something that makes that's familiar in a way. And what we're all trying to do is sort of retool it so my homeostasis is at a more joyful, peaceful level, right? That I'd like to be that to be my default setting. And some people have this. Some people are just born into it. And man, lucky them. I was not, <laughs> To have that place where it's like, you know, I'm at peace with my life and I'm okay. And, and when disruptive things happen, yeah, I got to deal with them and they're sort of crappy, but I sort of deal with them. And, but I go back to my state of relative acceptance and peace and joy in my life. But holidays can be a supercharged experience of all sorts of relationship dynamics, but also expectations. Totally. Going into it, right? So I would say a couple of things, practical things. One is I like to sort of encourage people to try to take the role of the sort of the observer, but the detached observer in the family. But showing interest, using it like a, like, like a little science experiment when you're with your family is say, oh, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to sort of go in there and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just sort of watch how what happens. Watch how people are. So instead of being in myself where I'm engaged in what's happening and reactive to what's happening, I'm using it as a chance to observe the environment. What happens when someone does such things? Oh, oh, there's, you know, my brother having his third drink today. Oh, oh, that's interesting. You know, that's right. He usually does that. Oh, here's someone that's escaping because they don't want to deal with us. They're, they're all up in the den watching football now. See if you can put on, instead of this party that gets engaged and distressed with all of it, you start to take this uh, the detached observer in it to watch it, number one. That position helps you, and in a way, it's sort of like trying to be more of a clinical. Think of you if you were behind a camera watching it. So you were like a documentarian 
and documenting your family history. And how would you be if you were behind the camera? Oh, I'd be trying to get, I might make, get this shot. I try to see this person doing this. Oh, I'd make sure I, you know, got this dynamic. So I start to see it now in a little more cinematic slash clinical slash detached way. And it helps me step back from just being the participant in it or the victim in it. Number two, I think being engaged as, I think love is, is a more mature position than resentment. Love is a more adult position. And so as you go in to these encounters and when you see family and everything, go in thinking, okay, well, how can I care for them? They get to be who they are. What, what does it look like? Instead of me getting my need met, how can I, what is it that they, they need? How can I help them? Now, what that does instantly is it takes you out of just your either victim or resentment position. And I start to say, okay, what can I do to care for them? Now, we got to be careful of this because I can get a little codependent. And sometimes it's not, it's not about saving the family and I'm going to rescue them. But it's a little bit more like I can have a more of a compassionate view of them than a resentful view of them. And I think it puts us in a little more adult position. It gives us a little more agency than we're waiting for them to come do something for us. Third, expect to be triggered. Expect it. Okay, we, we talked a lot on this podcast about expecting what is. Expect there to be triggers. And because you're trying to be the documentarian now of your family, you're going to just take a very interested view as you let this trigger come out. And you're going to observe it and watch it and sit it, sit it on your plate with you. They got dished onto your plate along with the uh, turkey and mashed potatoes. You know, <laughs> it's out there too. But you're just taking time to say, oh, well, the, oh, there's that, oh, there's that comment. There's that under, that little undertow over there of comment. Oh, there's that little criticism of how much is on my plate. Okay, so I'm going to make some comment there. Or there's that comment about whether I choose not to drink, and they're going to make some comment about that. There's this, this dance that our family does. Oh, there they're bringing up that embarrassing story about the past again, you know, about me, right? Okay. Expect those comments to happen. And use this as a chance to sit and watch the comment. And what you're trying to do is you're learning to watch it without attaching to it. So we're learning to observe without attachment. And the only way we learn this is by going through it. Mm. The practice is in doing, actually getting triggered, right? Or having the trigger be there and trying, you know, trying to find a way to find this emotional distance from the trigger. So I'm not triggered by the trigger. Is really what hope is. <laughs> and to say, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that, oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Okay. Oh, there's the knife, you know? Oh, okay. That, that's happening here, right? These are sort of mental gymnastics, mental games for me to create a little bit of distance from the experience. So instead of me just being my experience, I'm able to observe myself in my experience. That's a big deal. Little kids don't have any of that reflective self. We're trying to create a reflective self. Mm. And this is, this is, you know, we'll use terms like self-parenting, self-regulating. I like the, the book, The Last Guru. There's a book called The Last Guru. And, and he says, you know, the last guru is you because you get to talk to you. You know, you're your own point of wisdom as you deal with this. This is what we're doing. We're all trying to do this is create some of that space. And then when I do that, as I feel it, then I, then I even can observe my feelings in response to it while I'm, all, I'm not just all the feeling. There's ability to feel without being the feeling totally. And it's really weird because many of us, we feel we're just the feeling. It doesn't feel like there's much else of us, right? I, am, I mean, I am 
what I feel. <laughs> I am just yeah. feeling, you know, this, but like I'm high or I'm low or, but what Jim is trying to say, you guys, and this is, I mean, this has so helped me debunk the myth of like that my feelings need to control me or that, you know, when I have these expectations that X, Y, or Z is not going to treat me this way or that X, Y, or Z, whoever this person is, isn't going to over drink at this event and it's not going to affect me and, and affect the day. And it's coming to a place of expecting it almost like expecting the triggers and then being the mature adult to parent myself out of those triggers. It's like, you know, when we're triggered and then still treat people with humane dignity, like they are, they're still made in God's image. They're still human beings who deserve to be treated respectfully and all of that. All right, my friends, this wraps up part one of my conversation with Jim. Part two will drop tomorrow. And honestly, by the time you're listening to this, it may already be out. So be sure to check out episode 66 as well. It's fantastic. Jim gives amazing insights in there. And we talk about even spiritual loneliness and our walks with the Lord and all of that. So anyways, I love you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. And let me say a little prayer for you. Lord, I thank you for my friend. God, I thank you for who you've made them to be. And Father, I know that holidays, especially Thanksgiving, can be very tough when we're walking through grief or loss or any form of suffering or any form of weirdness within family dynamics or just any longing or loss. And so, Lord, I pray, Father God, that you would minister to their heart deeply and richly. Lord, may they know that they are not alone, God, and that you are with them. Father, would you give them the joy and the peace to walk through this day, Father, knowing that you have not forsaken them, you have not forgotten them. And Lord, would you bless whatever weird family dynamics is going on? God, would you give them some miracle today, Lord? And I just pray for your peace and for your grace. And no matter what, Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that resides within my friend. So bless them and fill them in Jesus' name. All right, you guys, I'll talk to you soon. Hello, my friend. If this episode blessed you, made you laugh, or triggered you, hey, that's growth. Please do me a favor and share this with a friend. And if you feel led, please leave a written review for the show. That really helps us out. Don't forget you are in good company if you're feeling more broken than you'd like to admit. And you are more loved than you can ever imagine. Have a great week. See you next time.